We're currently, we left off in chapter 28 on verse 16, so that's where we pick it up today. We're going to read through our text, which, by the way, don't just read the text and run out of here thinking, oh, I have no idea where he's going to go with that. Well, that's all the more reason to stick around. Verse 16 says this. Read along with me. On the 14th day of the first month is the Passover of the Lord. And on the 15th day of the month is a feast. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. And on the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. And you shall present an offering made by fire as a burnt offering to the Lord. Two young bulls, a ram, seven lambs in their first year. Be sure that they are without blemish. Be sure that they are without blemish. Their grain offering shall be of fine flour mixed with oil. Three tenths of an ephah you shall use for a bull, two tenths for a ram. And you shall offer one tenth of an ephah for each of the seven lambs. Now, also one goat is a sin offering to make atonement for you. You shall offer these things besides the burnt offering of the morning, which is the regular burnt offering. In this manner, you shall offer the food of the offering made by fire daily for seven days as a sweet aroma to the Lord. It shall be offered beside the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. And on the seventh day, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. Now, if you are even a part of this, we'll read on. There's got to be a part of you that thinks, God bless you, and I mean that word for word. There's, there's got to be a part of you that thinks, no customary word. God has just now officially given you two days off. Have you noticed that? Yeah, what a spoil sport. All right, well, look at verse 26. I mean, I mean that facetiously. Also, on the day of the first fruits, when you bring a new grain offering to the Lord at your feast of weeks, you shall have a holy convocation. Guess what happens? You shall do no customary work. There's another day off. You shall present a burnt offering as a sweet aroma to the Lord, two young bulls, one ram, seven lambs in the first year, with their grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for each bull, two-tenths for one ram, one-tenth for each of the seven lambs, also one kid of the goats to make atonement for you. Be sure that they are without blemish. You shall present them with their drink offerings beside the regular burnt offering with their grain offering. And on the seventh month, next chapter, On the first day of the month, you shall have a a holy convocation. Guess what happens on that? You shall do no customary work. Wow. You'd think you were a banker. You know what I'm saying? I don't know why they call them banker's holidays, except, of course, you know why. It's another day that all you can use is the cash machine. For you, it is a day of blowing the trumpets. You shall offer a burnt offering, a sweet aroma to the Lord, one young bull, one ram, seven lambs in their first year. Without blemish, their grain offering shall be fine flour mixed with oil. Three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering to make atonement for you. Beside the burnt offering with its grain offering for the new moon, its regular burnt offering with its grain offering and their drink offering. According to their ordinance, as a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. On the tenth day of that same month, the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. Hmm. You shall afflict your souls. You shall not do any work. What word is missing, beloved? Customary. Excellent. Oh, I'm sorry. Customary. Excellent. On this particular day, you don't even do uncustomary work or uncustomary work. You shall afflict your souls. You shall not do any work. 
You shall present a burnt offering to the Lord as a sweet aroma, one young bull, one ram, seven lambs in their first year. Be sure that they are without blemish. Their grain offering shall be a fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for one ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also, one kid of the goats is a sin offering. Beside the sin offering for atonement, the regular burnt offering with its grain offerings and their drink offerings. And then we get the one that's the most... Now you think, well, that seems like a lot of details. Not when you compare it to the last of the big feasts. This one, I almost hear in this, I want to warn you, like the, ten, the 12 days of Christmas... Uh, and listen, on the 15th day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. And we would expect then what would happen then? Hi. Let's try that again. If it's a holy convocation, what would you expect? No customary work. And so it is. And you shall keep a feast to the Lord seven days. You shall present a burnt offering, an offering made by fire as a sweet aroma to the Lord. Thirteen young bulls, two rams, Fourteen lambs on their first year, they shall be without blemish. Their grain offering shall be of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ifah for each of the thirteen bowls, two-tenths for each of the rams, for the two rams, and one-tenth for each of the fourteen lambs. Also, one kid of the goats is a sin offering, beside the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, its drink offering. On the second day, present twelve bowls, two rams, fourteen lambs on their first year without blemish, their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls and the rams and the lambs by their number according to their ordinance. Also, one kid of the goats is a sin offering besides the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and their drink offerings. On the third day, present 11 bulls. Now, are you seeing a pattern yet? Or are you all just nodding off or texting a friend? We started with 13. We went to 12. We went to 11. I bet you could guess the next one. On the, third, on the third day, 11 bulls, two rams, 14 lambs, the first year without blemish, the grain offering, the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, for the lambs, by their number according to their ordinance. Also, one goat is a sin offering beside the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and its drink offering. On the fourth day, present 10 bulls, two rams, 14 lambs, the first year without blemish. And then you'd think, well, why do they even have to keep repeating this? How many of you here are parents? Do I have to say any more? Okay. On the fourth day, present ten bulls, two rams, 15, 14 lambs on their first year without blemish. And their grain offering and their drink offering for the bulls and the rams and the lambs by their number according to the ordinance. Also one kid of the goats as a sin offering. Beside the regular burnt offering, it's grain offering, it's drink offering. On the fifth day, present nine bulls. You getting there? Two rams, 14 lambs, other first year without blemish. Their grain offering, their drink offering for the bulls, the rams, the lambs, by their number according to their ordinance. Also, one goat is a sin offering, beside the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, its drink offering. Number of their seven-day feast. On the sixth day, to give you an idea how close we are, on the sixth day of this feast, present eight bulls, two rams, 14 lambs, their first year without blemish, and their grain offering and their drink offering for the bulls, for the rams, for the lambs, by their number according to the ordinance. Also, one goat is a sin offering. Beside the regular burnt offering, it's a grain offering and it's drink offering. On the seventh day, you're really excited about that, I can tell. Present seven bulls, two rams, 14 lambs of the first year without blemish. And their grain offering and their drink offering for the bulls, for the rams, for the lambs, by their number according to the ordinance. Also, one goat is a sin offering. Beside the regular burnt offering, it's grain offering, it's drink offering. On the eighth day, and you go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You said it was a seven-day feast. God's like, well, here's a little extra for you. On the eighth day, you shall have a sacred assembly. Guess what we're doing? No customary work. 
You shall present a burnt offering, an offering made by fire as a sweet aroma to the Lord, one bull, one ram, seven lambs in their first year without blemish, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the ram and for the lambs by their number according to the ordinance. Also one goat is a sin offering beside the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, its drink offering. These you shall present to the Lord at your appointed feasts beside your vowed offerings and your freewill offerings as your burnt offerings and your grain offerings, as your drink offerings and your peace offerings. And then Moses had to tell them all that. So Moses told the children of Israel everything. And you go, are you sure he did? Well, he wrote it down pretty specifically. You think he told them everything? I think he did. Just as the Lord commanded Moses. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, you know exactly how pertinent this is to our lives. You know how powerfully you want to speak to us, and I want to give you complete and absolute, not just permission, but invitation to completely hijack and to take over this study in such a way that every person here is absolutely, perfectly, intimately addressed so that we could hear your voice. That every one of us, no matter where we're at, if there be any who have yet to know you as Lord and Savior, let this be the day that they could say, on this day, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. For those who have said yes to you, deepen our faith in you. Grow the roots deep, deep beyond the rocky soil, deep enough so that the, the thorns and the weeds have no bearing or influence. Deep enough so the wind can't blow over this plant, but to be established strong, deep. O oh Lord, that we would prosper in you, that we would thrive in you. You've never promised that the world would be without the rain or the storms or the floods or the winds. You just promised that we'd follow you and do what you said that the house would stand. So thank you. Thank you for how now you are going to revolutionize this time. Immerse me in your Holy Spirit. Fill me to overflowing. And, la- and then use me in ways I could not humanly be used. Oh God, please. May we have so much fun. Be captivated in your word now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I would say today as I would any, please don't just believe me. Don't just assume it's true because I say so. Search the scriptures. Let the Bible always have the final say. We are now at the second portion of chapter 29, or 28, I'm sorry, and then 29. In chapter 26, if you remember, we took our second survey our second census and that's why the book's called numbers we counted the people at the beginning we counted the people in essence 40 years later now the difference was pretty radical though there were over 300,000 600,000 people and though the number that was in, the difference between them was not very great in comparison the difference of the people were because every person over 20 died except two well three with Moses at the moment but he'll be dying soon and so again we look at it is this idea of taking a picture of the church a year ago and then taking a picture today and comparing the pictures 
not just, wow, does one have less hair? Or, wow, does that, I mean, I'm just not, well, not you, there's other ones, maybe. All right. Um, or, oh, does that person have more wrinkles? Or, oh, look at how that person's really matured and grown. But there's a lot more to it. I mean, there's the, oh, look at how that person, oh, there's the baby. Oh, now that baby's not so much a baby anymore. Or, uh, oh, where did that person go? I'll remember that person and remember what seemed to be so profound at that moment. And, oh, look at where they were and, oh, where are they now? And it could really bum you out. Because you could look at people that you really had such hope in a year ago. But on the other side of it, you could also look at the new picture and see new faces. And go, oh my goodness, look at that. And look at that person. Sam, where did he come from? Or whoever. And you're looking and going, oh, praise the Lord. And you watch these things. I mean, we've had four or five sets of baptisms over the summer. We're going to do a summer end baptism. Because every time we're done, we're like, oh, that should be the end of it. And the people are like, oh, I wanted to come, but I couldn't. And me and my five, my 15 friends want to come and get baptized. And, you know. Well, we'll see. And, you know, you, well, how do you say no? It's a trip to the beach. It's a wonderful time to get to preach Jesus to the people who are listening around us and to get to see that testimony. Pray for Daniel because he's not gotten hypothermia yet. But we'll see. And you look at those pictures and you realize that there is a radical difference. The face and the influence and, the, and just the feel is different. You go back a year beyond that, that would be even more radical. Go a year beyond that, it would be infinitely more radical. Back when we were having Sunday mornings in a house and having soup afterwards. That's how it started. The holy soup. And to see where we've come from that. And, and there's a part of you we can look at. If you look at the first picture too long, you could really be full of regret. and be very sad. You look at the second picture and you can get hope. And understand, looking at those, those surveys, those census it reminds us that God is to be the God of the past. We have to be able to take all of those regrets. We learn the lessons and we move with those lessons, but we leave our regrets behind because otherwise you're never really going to be able to walk the way God intended. And, and that really is where we were two, you know, two chapters ago. And then we went from that to really, to be honest, looking at the future. There were these five gals. And understand, go to the Middle East and read that chapter to people today and see how they react to it. With all due respect, ladies, some of those guys are going to go potty on you. I mean, there are five, they have five daughters of Zolophahad. One's name is Milka and another one's name is Hagla. Uh, anyways, they seem to be single. Uh, maybe it's their names. But in all of that, there's no brothers. And their father, when he passed away, he's going to give the land. And traditionally, you don't give the land to daughters. And they're like, can we have the land? And understand, this is land they haven't taken yet. I mean, we're talking about land that God has promised that they've never really seen. And they're going, can we, when, when that time comes, and there isn't an if with them, and there's a when, and I really like that. When that time comes, can we get that land? And God says, sure, we'll leave a legacy with you. And there's a legacy on the land. And then that same chapter, and that last chapter, that same chapter, Joshua now was inaugurated to replace Moses. So there's a legacy in leadership. So understand, the chapter prior, we looked at the past, and we saw the pictures, and we went, oh, learn from that. And then we went to this chapter, and we looked at the future, and we went, oh, look, at God's got this land, and he still wants to leave a legacy with it. He's got leadership, and he wants to leave a legacy with it. I get that. Well, the problem is, is there's some place in between we call now, and we can do that where we can get so theoretical and go, oh, I agree with what there is back there. And I can, oh, that, oh, the best is yet to come, honey. Oh, you just wait. And, you know, and I'm looking at it, but, but what happens here? And that's been where we started last week. These two chapters, interestingly enough, God carefully nestles right here on how to maintain a really healthy relationship with God 
through this time where we can leave the past behind and embrace what God has in the future, but still live healthy now. And he started with this. He started with very regular times of being with him. Now, I want you to realize how strangely revolutionary that is for the rest of the world. I mean, one thing I've noticed traveling around the world is that people worship their gods to keep them away. Have you noticed that? I mean, who wants a god like that? I remember being in India, and I'm not trying to pick on any particular place. I could pick on a lot of them. But this one was just really profound for me. There was a 90-something-year-old guy rolling naked down a hill over pieces of bone and stone and broken glass. And and, and the strange thing is he had put those pieces there. I'm like, what in the world is he doing? And my first thought is, this poor man's gone senile. Someone needs to help him. And the person that was with us that was a native from Calcutta said, well, Calcutta is named after the god Kali, who is a god of destruction, and he's doing this to keep Kali away. So I go, let me see if I have this right. He's abusing himself so that his god won't abuse him? And he's like, yeah, that's kind of it. I don't even worship God to get him to come near. I worship God because he already is near. Because he lives inside of me. And because he lives inside of me and my life is transformed, I want to worship him because I'm in love. And, it's, and here's the difference. A law without, I mean, relation, without a relationship, a law is just a law. And you do it because you have to do it, and you'll do as little as necessary. But then when it's built on a relationship, you'll do it to the greatest degree. But now the motivation's love. And the difference between Jesus and all of this other stuff is that a relationship builds a politic, not a politic hopefully might get something favorable in the end. And so all of this stuff in this is revolving around a relationship. This idea, so he's like, listen, in the morning and at night, I want there to be sacrifice every day. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. It doesn't matter whether it's any other celebration. Everything else goes on top of this. This should be regular. I want to meet with you in the morning. And I want to meet with you at night. And there's, of all these different kinds of sacrifices, the burn offering was the one where everything was consumed, not just the meat, or not just the parts you wouldn't eat unless you were Scottish, but everything. I mean, you couldn't even make shoes out of the hide or anything. It all got burnt, and the idea of it was total surrender. Oh, have I said it yet? I just want to make sure I do every time. Please don't just believe me. Don't just assume it's true. Search the scriptures. Let the Bible always be the authority. I don't know if I, might, I say it so often. I don't know when I have it. So there it's been said. And you could bet if I'd say that about me, I'd say that about anything that you listen to, see, here or whatever. Back to our point. Every morning God wants to meet. Now, it isn't like he doesn't want to be with you through the day. He just knows if you start the day off with it, it transforms the whole thing. And he's like, I want there to be total surrender because that's the way God is with us. He's like, I'm all yours. I'd love for you to be all mine. So there's, but then there's also that, that surrender, that offering, that burnt offering always comes with a grain offering. And that grain offering is the work of your hands. And the idea of it is, I offer you not just theory. Have you ever met people that are heroes in their head, but they're damsels in distress in reality? You know, I mean, we've always found guys that are like, well, if that guy was anywhere near me, I would have popped him. And then the guy shows up, he's like, no, 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 I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. You know, and you're like, oh... I, have, I mean, I have relatives like that, bless them. But it's like they can yell at a TV. Boy, I'll tell you what, if President Obama was somewhere near, he would have hurt. No, nah, I don't think so. And you, I mean, or whatever, whatever it is they disagree with, they'll yell at a TV and like, you're an idiot, whatever. But the moment that they're in the situation, there's no talking anymore. And we could do the same thing if we're not careful. 
oh, well, let me tell you what, Jesus has it all. And I'm, you know, I'm just on, I'm saying, Lord, you have it all, mm, but you don't have my 1230 and you don't have my priorities and I'm going to give you my dreams and my goals and my hopes and you just better come in line with it. Lord, bless them. And the Lord's like, how about I give you my dreams and my plans and my goals because I love you and I know you better than you and I love you more than, actually, believe it or not, I love you even more than you love you. And I really want to make it better. And so I don't just offer God my theory and go, all right, God, you got it all. Just take my day, but I'm going to yell at you when you really take that prayer seriously. But I also offer you my hands. And God reminds me of that when the phone call happens and you know that they say, can I talk to you for a minute? And you know one minute is like a thousand years, you know? It's just going to be a minute. And you're like, okay, before we even start, let me just say, I know it's not going to be a minute, so go ahead. Oh, there's five more minutes. You know, oh, just, just go, just go. Let's do it. Because my ears are yours, Lord. Well, can you help me with this thing? Can you carry this thing? Could you do this thing? Sure, because my hands are yours, Lord. Is, have you ever been late for something, but you didn't have a place to be? You're like, oh, I just got to get there. But you don't even know where there is. I just got to make sure I catch the next train to where. I don't know, but I got to get on that train. And someone's like next to you that you know the Lord wants you to minister to, but you're going to try to actually explain to God, no, I can't share it right now with P because I've got to get on that train. God's like, no, you don't. And the next thing you hear is someone like, I'm sorry, but the train has been canceled. And you're like, oh, I get it, I get it. You gave me your hands. But it was also the drink offering. And the drink offering was out of love. Because if we don't recognize, if it's not out of love, It'll be out of duty, and that doesn't bless any relationship. Could you imagine? It's the couple, you know, and I'm just going <laughs> to, it's just a couple, and it's like, he's like, you know, um, honey, could you give me a kiss? And she's like, it's not 1030 yet. He's like, <laughs> okay, i got to be careful who I bring into this, right? And, you know, and she's like, okay, 1030, good night, right? And you're like, what? You know? And, you, and you know, people are like, whoa, that's a spicy relationship. You know, and the reason I say that is if everything is done out of duty, it's just not a real relationship anymore. It's like cohabitating. God doesn't, God doesn't want that. He's like, I want sacrifices to mean something. So in the morning, it isn't like you read the Bible so you could go, tick my box. I've read my Bible. What did you get out of it? Nothing. Did I, was I supposed to get something out of that? I've done my duty. Yes, sir. Really? You prayed. Oh, God, please. Bless the time. Speed reading. Okay. I'm going to get a speed reading blessing today. How about if you just like, well, how much did you read? Does it matter? How about I'm just going to read until you speak to me? God, just let me hear something that, makes, that I need to hear today. I'm offering you my hands. I'm offering you my mind. I'm offering you my heart. I recognize you're going to take that seriously, but I want to make this out of love so that when I'm doing it, I don't do the, even if I don't show you, I'm not rolling my eyes inside when you actually want to take me seriously. So there's that morning one, but there's also the evening one. At evening, why an evening as well? Well, first of all, because some of us are much more prone to misbehave at night, but there's more to it than that. You're laughing because you know. Anyway, but there's also the idea that at the end of the evening, if we don't give to the Lord again and surrender, 
We'll take things to our pillow that don't belong there. You know what will happen? You know, it's like 15 people can say nice things. One person kind of just says, almost says something. Oh, no, honey, you say it. Please, listen. You can amen all you want. Listen. Anyways, you get it. Follow suit. Okay. Um, please follow me in this. It's like some, you know, 15 people say something nice. One person says something almost nice. And that's the one thing that goes to the pillow with you, right? Like, mm, I wonder what they meant by that. You know? They're like, you know, like people are like, I love what you've done to yourself. One person's like, uh, good. And you're like, what does good mean? Hmm. And the Lord's like, hey, give that to me so you don't take that and it festers into something really bizarre and grow into this really nasty plant of resentment that should never have been planted in the first place because it wasn't intended that way. It's amazing what happens if we don't give God the evening time. I've got to give that back to you now. And it's the work of my hands because you did it anyways. It's you who works within me to will to do and to do for your good pleasure. Oh, that's so important. Otherwise, the other dangerous thing is I could think, look at what I've done for you today. And God's like, I could rip your hands off right now when you can tell me what you could do with them. And I love the fact that the Lord wants both. Isn't it great? But you know what? He wants the entire day, but he recognizes if we give him the morning and the night, the rest of it follows suit pretty easy. If you're married, wake up in the morning and make that choice to be married again. Now, I'm not talking about whether you're going to wear the ring or not. You should anyways. But the conscious choice, you know what? I'm going to live actively married today. Not just, well, I'm married. You know, I said I love you at the beginning. I haven't changed my mind. Why do I need to keep saying it? You know, does that work out well for you? And then at night, again, just want to reinvest in yourself. But it wasn't just that. That's just the beginning of it. Because this is a God who wants relationship. Now, here's the interesting thing. In this, it wasn't like what God said was, do all of these things and we'll see if it's enough. He's like, do this with me. Do this with me. Do you see the difference? He's like, okay. And then on Shabbat, Sabbath, I want you to rest from the rest of the world. I want you to take a day where you stop carrying the world on your shoulders, which you shouldn't do any day, but it's so natural to do. And you, and you just put, you park the world outside for, for a while and you get into the locker room with a coach and you get open in the playbook and you start listening to the great coach and you're going, all right, God, but you do it with the rest of the players. Because there's something, because you know what happens if you're in a world where it's weird to love Jesus and it's even weirder to be full on in that. And let's face it, you know, most people don't have a problem with you becoming a Christian until you become a real one. Then they get all kinds of problems with you. And there are even among the body, and I'm trying to be kind with this, there are those when you really want to just try to OD on Jesus, but you can't. And they're like, whoa, 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 settle down. Don't go overboard. I want to go overboard. I want to know what it's like to walk on water, and you'll never do that from the boat. I want my entire life to be absolutely absorbed in Jesus. I want it to be that way. So if you're the kind that's like, oh, whoa, 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 settle down, I'm not your man. Because I'll be pouring gasoline, petrol, on the fire you're trying to put out. In some place you've got to go and it's like, is that weird? You're like, you know what? Well, there are other people out there that really do love Jesus like I do. Hey, let's face it. If you're on a team and you're actually out in the world where the other team kind of, it's their home turf, Expect them not to be friendly with you, especially if you're doing your job well. If you've ever played any form of athletics seriously and you're out someplace playing in another person's town and you go out to dinner, 
don't go out to dinner in a place like where the football team hangs out or whatever, because probably they're not going to go, we're so glad you're here, unless they're going to be feeding you something you should not eat. Sometime, someplace down the line, you've got to get back together with the team and go, hey, you guys, it's okay, we've, we've already won. Because it's easy to forget that if you're not careful. So look at there was the daily, the morning and the night. There was the weekly, that Sabbath, where we get together, together in love on Christ. And by the way, experiment. Does this sound weird? We become available to Christ, and God says, I want to try a ministry on you, Sam. And you're like, what? And he goes, let's try this. Well, who better to try it on than Christians? We've got to forgive each other. And I'm like, I just want to pray for you. I don't know. I feel like the Lord may have a word. This should be the place where we should be able to do that. So we're like, all right, Lord, I'm available. Let's give it a shot. Well, so we have the daily, we have the weekly, and this is, and the monthly. And that's where we left off. All this is introduction. Pray for us, right? All right, well, it moves as quick. On the monthly, he says, look, at once a month, there's going to be a new moon. It should be easy to discover when that is. But one day, I want you guys all to get together. And what I want you to do on that day is I want you to do more than what you normally do. Although normally, keep your normal things happening. Keep that morning and that evening Keep that Sabbath thing. So look at, if you had a Sabbath that, well, the Sabbath is going to be on top of your morning and evening. Well, what if the new moon is on a Sabbath? Well, then you're doing the new moon, which is also, and also doing the Sabbath, and also doing the daily stuff. That's the idea. You don't just give up one thing for the next. It's like, you don't give up the, you know, I don't give up my personal time so that I can hang out while y'all. I want to make sure that my, my personal time's tight so when I come here, I'm bringing a better me to you guys. Wouldn't that be better that way? And then when we get together once a month, he says, here's the difference. He says, now I want you to be a little bit more aware. I want you to take a moment and be introspective about sin. Always, God will never say, just think about sin and end it there. Because always, when you are conscious of sin, always remember there's atonement. Never forget there's atonement. There will always be atonement. But I don't want you to become numb to what sin is, or you'll find yourself getting habitual in it and not realizing it needs to be dealt with. So once a month, I want it to be a time where you get alone for a moment and get serious about it. That's why we have communion on the first Sunday of the month. Because the time isn't supposed to be a time where someone just closes their eyes and you put something that's almost plastic in your mouth and you walk away. It's supposed to be a time where you are actually saying, Lord, am I missing something? Is, is there anything I'm missing? And, and I know that I'm not, it's like I'm not giving you a whole day on that, that we'll see that in a moment. But I just want to make sure that I'm not missing something before I do this, I want to get serious about this with you. Is there something I've numbed myself to? Is there something I'm ignoring that you're trying to tell me? Because remember, sin happens both ways. It's not just you're doing what you shouldn't, but it's also you're not doing what you should. And let's face it, the first one's a little clear. When we're first saved, if you're anything like me, I know like in the beginning, I had like big mountains God had to move. And I, somehow y'all may not have had that, but it was like God had to completely change my landscape, Right? I'm like, okay, this is what my landscape looks like. This sin and this sin and this sin. And so I'm like, I do this and I do that and I do that. And God's like, okay, when he moves it out. And I'm like, well, I'm good now. God's like, no, no, not doing the bad is the beginning. Now I've got better things for you to do. And I didn't realize the sin when God says, go do that. And you're like, I'm not sure if that's really from you. God said, go share Jesus with that person. Like, I'm thinking, well, maybe that's from Satan. Really? Like, Satan's like, hey, go over there and share Jesus with that person. <laughs> really? See, now, I didn't realize how dumb that sounded until I had children. And you know, and where it's like, they're like, you know, oh, I'm not really listening, but they are, they hear. Or I don't know if I really get it. What part of take out the trash? Which of the words is difficult? You know, or whatever. 
You know, and you, you get that. I, I just, uh, 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 and the ah uh, is the time that you're accessing all of your excuses. There's got to be one that works here. There's got to be one that works. And I realize I do that with the Lord. And so once a month, I'm like, all right, Lord, before I go to your table, like today, before I go to your table, is my heart soft to you? Is there any room in the house here where I say, don't go in that. Don't touch that. Don't mess with that. Don't mess with this thing. This is my ambition. Don't go near it. Well, if you want to bless it, you can come. Really? And then we say something like that great word afterwards, Lord. It's like, how exactly does, how did I become the Lord and your bellhop at the same time? And so then when we get into our text here, now understand what God's doing. He's going beyond just the daily and the weekly and the monthly. And understand this isn't do this stuff and I'll bless you. This is do it with me. I mean, the rest, the reason why we rest, understand, I want you to look at it from God's perspective. Now, God could have said everything be, and it could have just have existed, right? But he took a series of days to do it in. In six days, all things are created. Of those six days, which day was man made on? Can you tell me? The last one, the sixth day. Nice. If he'd have made him on the first day, he could have said, now let's get you to work. Write this stuff down, what I'm saying. Watch what happens. He didn't do any of that. He's like, and now my crowning achievement. And he makes man. And then he says, now, now that I've made you, I'm taking tomorrow off. That's what he's doing. I mean, it wasn't like God's like, oh, it really takes it out of you. You should have seen how hard it was to make those heavens. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and it's just all oh, those planets. And, you know, and, and I would ask, well, what about Pluto? Is it or isn't it? You know, it's like, oh, it's just, I don't even want to talk about it. It's just, oh, man, beasts. Oh, and fish and oh, and what they're going to say later about it. God's like, how does God get winded? And he looks and he says, well, look at you're so important that now that I've made you, I'm not going to do anything else but be with you for the day. And then we're like, okay, well, I'm going to do a Sabbath now. What does that mean? I'm going to go to church for 45 minutes. Tomorrow, I'm going to take. Well, some of it, because, okay, I'm going to text my friend. I'm going to do some things in between. Well, if you're in that kind of, you know, if you want that zip and zip out, I know there are places for it. I'm going to drive you mental. We are in no hurry here. And some of you already are starting to panic. <laughs> because I don't want any relationship that's important to be like with me with my watch like this. Oh, no, wait, Doc. Okay. Really? Oh, uh-huh. That sounds, that must really hurt. Yeah, oh, yeah. Do you want that? But I don't want to do that to God. But listen, now he's like, okay, well, now that we've worked out that, let's start talking about coming over and hanging out at my house for a barbecue. For a barbecue. We realize three of these things are one-week feasts for which God says, why don't you come over to my house? This is God speaking. Come over to my house and I'll feed you. Why are all these animals being killed? To be eaten. There is the difference. Now, now, if you're a vegetarian, with all due respect, we could kill the fatted asparagus. I get you on that. But for, for, for me, and that's not necessarily my space, but for me, the idea that God's like, I'm going to, we're going to take some animals and we're going to roast those babies. I'm thinking, I'm in. I'm in. What do we do while we're there? God's like, just hang out with me. Just hang out. Let's, let's, and by the way, God always adds a second thing to it. If you're going to hang out with me, you're going to start blessing each other. That's why 
two things are necessary. One is you can't do customary work because if you did, how in the world is that going to work out? God's like, what? So tell me, like, you're going to come when you're, like, got to, when you're off work that day? Let's face it. Some of us spend more time traveling than we do at work. And that's on a day when everything works right. Like that brief day in every year. God's like, look at, hang out with me. You're going to be so overflowing. You're going to want to do something with it. And I'm going to take your head. I'm going to turn it a little bit and say, now look. See them? Go get them. That's what this looks like. What a rough God, huh? Food. Hanging out with him. And this is what it looks like. The first of those was the, was the, was the feast called Pesach. Pesach, or Passover, was the time when we celebrated God delivering us out of the land of bondage and out of the hand of the enemy. There was a week that was dedicated to us remembering how amazing it is to be set free. Do you even know what that's like? Do you know what it's like to be set free, to be forgiven, to have your debts cleared, to actually not doubt for any percent that if you were to stand before God, that you would be completely cleared because you already do stand before God and you're already cleared and he's already told you so? Do you know what that's like? Do you realize we're the only people on the planet that have that confidence? Are you aware of that? Talk to other people that are trying to do everything from shahada to jihad or whatever, to do whatever, to be confident in some way that their performance is good enough, and yet God did all the performing and wants me to receive it. How do, what part of that's my good enough? He's like, I love you. Give me permission, I'll move inside of you. God is so wanting to be into you that the moment you say yes, he comes into you. You can't get more into you than into you. I just want to be just be with you. So he's like, come over and let's spend a week celebrating how great it is to be set free. Shouldn't that be what every Easter should be like? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it should be every day. Let's be honest. But time dedicated to the idea that something is clearly different from us than everywhere else in the world. And that somewhere down the line, our God so loved us that Jesus paid the price so that we didn't have to, so that we could be set free when he was totally free but gave it up, when we could be totally innocent, though he was totally innocent and took our guilt, so that we can stand and say thank you. Oh, how good it is. And when you do that, and we do that together, you don't do that alone. And when we do that together, we look at each other and go, oh, isn't it good to be free? And at that moment, I guarantee you, someone goes, want to go to the clubs? You're like, why in the world would I want to go there now? That's Egypt, baby. That's Egypt. Oh, it's happy hour. Happy hour. I have happy life. And Jesus paid the bill. Really, that's where we want to go? So that's where it starts. He goes, look at without that feast, none of the other feasts make sense. Have you been to that feast? Have you let the Lamb of God pay your price, be slaughtered for your sake, so you could be freed from the hand of the enemy, set free from the land of slavery, and be his own? Because that's where this whole thing starts. So he goes, are you, are you good with that? I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm good with that. Then we get to the second one. The second one after that point is the one called Shevaot. And Shevaot 
or if we will, the Feast of Weeks, or we might say Pentecost, which is just, by the way, the word for 50. Why? Because from Passover, you count 50 days. And that's when this feast takes place. Now understand, three required feasts of the year, and hear me, they're very simple. The first feast is the feast where God delivers us. The Lamb of God is slaughtered to set us free. The second one, the Feast of Shavuot or Pentecost, is the feast, hear me, it's very simple, of the first great harvest. And what we did is we take a look. Remember, we're all farmers. We've got our, our overalls, our dungarees, and we're like, yep, here we go. And we're looking. And what we do is we look over our field, and we see the part that looks the best, and we pull that part. And we're only, we're only seeing the tips here. We're not seeing the full harvest yet. And we pull that, and we give the best. And that best, listen, listen, listen. We take that, and we bring it to God, and we put it down, and we go. It's kind of cool to watch, actually. And the idea is simple. I'm taking that which is the best and it's being put back in the ground because I am sure that when it's driven to the ground, it will rise again. And, and then we say, in the simplest sense, as the beginning of this harvest is, may the rest of the harvest be. Interesting because the Bible makes clear that Jesus is the first fruits of those who fall asleep. See, Jesus is the hint of the harvest. See, he was buried and rose again. And what we do on this particular period of time is we celebrate the first harvest. And understand, we look at what Jesus has done and we say, oh my goodness, God, this isn't just about the cross. This is about a brand new life on the other side. Oh God, let me live that new life now. Let me live that harvested life. A life that's so different that I don't even recognize who I was. And I could be honest with you, I don't. When I think about the person that I used to be, that guy's like a cartoon character. You know, I look at that and think, oh, my goodness, that's who I was? And I tell you what, there are people that I know that if I were to, if I were just to show you, and I wouldn't do this, ladies or men, just so you know, I wouldn't say, do you know what they used to be? And then go into it. I wouldn't do that. But if you told them, have you ever had that? People go, shut up, or however they answer it, and go, that's, no, that's not you. I hated people. I hated them. And I was super violent. People used to ask, if they would give you anything on a deserted island, you could have one thing, what would it be? I'd say a fence. I'll let you think that through, but you get it. And to think of where the Lord, what the Lord has done in my heart. And I look back at that guy and I think, that slave, that confused, angry maniac, died at a cross, and he was left there so a brand new creation could rise up. Interesting, we have one feast one time where it's primarily mentioned in the New Testament. And, of course, that's Acts chapter 2. And it's interesting because the Holy Spirit comes down. We are aware of that. People speak in languages that they hadn't spoken in before. We're aware of that. People from all over the world have gathered that speak those languages. We're aware of that. But the part people could miss is the important part. More than any of that, because on that day, one guy that said that he didn't know Jesus and said, may I go to hell if I really do, actually that day stood up and preached a message. Which, by the way, God doesn't even give us the whole message. He actually says, and with a lot of other words, which tells us God's like, I'm giving you the good stuff. And, and so at the end of it, though, Peter gives this call, and 3,000 people give their life to Jesus on that day. Do you realize what that is? That's the first great harvest. Do you get it? And for 1,400 years, we've been celebrating that. That's what our heart's been primed for. We're like, and as that is, may the rest of the harvest be. Beloved, guess who's the rest of the harvest? That's us. 
He's like, I want you to get together and enjoy what it's like to just be fellowship again and to be new creations, to develop. So this is why we can't do that and just play volleyball. This is why we can't just do that and do what we used to do. Not that those things are, are bad. The point is, how do we develop where Jesus is now the center of our relationships? Where we get together and we're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray and we're going to seek his face and we're going to love God and we're going to do it together. That's fundamental. Now, those are the times, by the way, normally where we kind of have retreats. You know those moments where we kind of get together and we say, all right, guys, we're going to. And if you've ever been to a men's retreat, you can see those guys. They, have, they bear the scars from it. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like we eat food that are like, that, that's hot enough to cook itself. We go on places that you know, it's like, let's just climb that. And some, of course, some guys are like, are you nuts? And others are like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and then we read scripture and we get alone and we see God's face. And we come back and some guys feel like they have, should have stripes for it, you know, and like, yes, I can't wait for the next one. And there's those times where we just get alone and we just, and it's just going to be us. And we're just going to enjoy Jesus together and be that harvest. So there is that. Then there are these two single days and then there's a feast at the end. Now, understand I'm giving you just the overview, for, for, but for good reason. Don't just believe me. Get into the text and see these beautiful. I'll I'll point out a couple of distinct things in a moment as sort of the last part of this railing. But these two days in between, we've had now Pesach, we've had Shavuot, and then the next thing we have after that is a day that we call Yom Kippur. Yom means day. Kippur means covering. Or we would say it is the day of atonement. This day is unique. Of all the other days in the year, this is the only, listen, 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 this is the only day that God told the Jewish people on this day, let's not eat together. Let's be together. Let's just not eat. Now, I know that there are other religions, with all due respect, and there's like this whole, we're going to fast 40 days. And we're aware of the fact that this is when you don't fast of that time, and this is when you do kind of thing, because 40 days would be a little rough without food if you really didn't have any. But on this particular day, God wanted us to be overtly aware, to take an entire day and pray that there would be nothing. Like what we do with communion, if that was an installment, this becomes the big final payment. Now, now we're paying God, but we're opening up our heart and saying, all right, I'm going to take an entire day. I'm going to get away from the world. I'm going to get away from its influences, and I want to just take a day and fast. And why do I fast? Now, I don't know about you, I love to eat. And by the way, it's pretty amazing that I'm not shaped like a watermelon. But there's still time, <laughs> to be honest. And so to not eat, there's got to be a good reason for it. But I do recognize this. We all do have natural appetites. And contrary, by the way, to what some have said, Scripturally, no appetite is sinful. With every appetite God's given you, there's a distinct menu. He wrote it. And as long as you order from the menu, you're good. Even physically, God has a menu for it. Being lonely and wanting to have companion, God has a menu for it. And it doesn't matter what it is. He's got a menu for it, and it's in his word. You may not like his menu, And you'd say, well, that seems a bit limiting. Well, sure. You could go to a restaurant 
Hello, Andrew. Hello, Deborah. Nice to have you. Here's the menu. We're an Italian restaurant. There's 15 different kinds of pasta. It's curly. It's long. It's tubular. It's whatever. It's long and string. But it's, it's pasta because it's called Welcome to the Pasta House. Right? And in all of that, there's different kinds of sauces. There's 15 different kinds of sauces. There's 12 different kinds of meat. You could put all of these things on it. Here you go. Look at the menu and you decide. And Andrew looks at Deborah and he goes, you know, I have a taste for dirt. Now, there, let's be honest. There are some restaurants you can actually get that. But, um, you know, and she's like, you know, what's interesting is I have a taste for glass. I really want some glass right now. It's like, you know what? And they don't have any rocks on this menu. There's no roadkill. There's no metal. There is an endless supply of things out there that you could eat that you shouldn't that aren't on the menu. I'd rather just eat the table. I'd rather just eat my shoe. Now, there is a thing called Pico Syndrome. By the way, perhaps some of you are aware of it. And Pico Syndrome is where you actually have a drive to eat things that are really like gravel and glass. And I mean, I know a person, they really wanted to eat light bulbs. I said, try Pop Rocks. It's safer. Anyways, but uh, the point is this, is that the menu is infinitely wider off of the menu, but infinitely safer on. You know, in the enemy could go, well, look at all the things that are limit, you're limited. And you're like, yeah, but that doesn't make that better. And here's the thing. Let's be honest. If I'm not careful, I could be driven by those appetites. I can get to the point where the appetite's making the commands and I'm following them. That could be an addiction after a while. Matter of fact, it doesn't take long. It's not the only reason to fast, but let me say it's a great one. And so God says, let's get to one that's just real basic. Food. What happens when you take a day and you say, I'm going to make the choice when we eat today? Are any of you like this? Will you find yourself eating most of the day, even when you're not hungry? Or is that just me? All right. Okay. Or when it's like, I mean, we have children, it's like it's a movie and they're making popcorn. We just ate dinner. I mean, literally, my wife's washing the plates. And my kids are like, oh, well, we need to get popcorn. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Well, it's a movie. You have to have well, you get it. And the point is, we get, we get so habitual on this. And after a while, it's like, you know what? Today, I'm sorry, but appetites, you're going to go under. I'm going under Jesus. And as I'm going under Jesus, appetites, you're going under me. And that's kind of the idea here. And there are several other, but it's a great reason. I'm like, Lord, I want your guidance. Lord, I am genuinely repentant. And I just want to, I want to get everything in the right place. And to do that, I'm going to take this day. And I'm not going to let any appetite drive me. Because you know what could happen? We could wake up 10 years later and we've been addicted so long, it's just part of our life and we think it's always just going to be that way. Isn't it true? And God says, I want you to take a day. And on this day, I want you just to get real with me. I mean, you've been trying to hold up in front of others and all that, but on this day, you're like, God, I'm just going to, I'm going to lay it all before you. Every appetite and every everything. Is even this ambition still right? I mean, it was right, but that doesn't mean it is now. Is this thing still right? Is this thing, let's face it, you ever watch a movie that you watched way a long time ago that was super funny, and now you watched it, and you're like, oh, I can't believe I thought that was funny. It's like, okay, I need an update. And so once a year, we get an update. If you will, it's kind of like God putting in the new program. He's updating your program. But there was another one. And as a result of this, I want to try to commit to something with you. There is a feast, a day, another, the other one day, 
And that particular one is actually called the Rosh Hashanah, the blowing of the trumpets. So I want to show you something, if I could. I've taken the liberty after the last 25 years of trying to get every instrument in Scripture. And the reason, well, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of them are replicas, but they still function. Because I want us to get an understanding of things, and this is one of them. There are basically two different kinds of horns in Scripture. Um, There's this kind, and actually I'm a little concerned because the mouthpiece is gone. Um, That's the problem with those metal things. Aha! And then there are the kind that actually come off of animals. The Hebrew word for horn is the word shofar. So if you've ever heard the word shofar before, that's where it comes from. It's just Hebrew for horn. This is not a shofar. This is a fanfare trumpet. This is a shofar. This most specifically is the most common shofar. Like this. When we have feasts, we blow this. Every other one but the one that we're talking about. Because this, and when you hear this sound, you know something good's coming. This is like that whistle that blows that says, you're done with work. No customary work. Right? And so there's that. That tells us it's time to gather and feast. I like that. So whether, you know, I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter if it's the middle of the night, that sounds going to be pretty to me when I know that means that I'm not doing customary work. Now, we'll be honest, the one, remember that where there was one where it was you do no work at all? Do you know that that was the Day of Atonement? The one where we got alone with the Lord, we, we fasted? He's like, I don't want you doing any kind of work on this day. Like, you know, it's like, well, I'm knitting a potholder. God says, don't even do that today. Today, get alone with me. And let's just break habit on, let's break routine on everything. You know, isn't that cool in a relationship? Well, you know, we're not going to do the ordinary today. Let's break routine and just go and do something crazy and new. That kind of stuff I love. Well, with that in mind. So, those are our shofars. So, we hear those and we know that's time to do that. Yeah, it's not as pretty. I'll grant you that. But it still sounds great when you get the time off. But once a year, and you would hope only once a year this is going to be blown. Because if this is blown other times, it's going to be concerning. When this horn is blown, you're telling people, get together, we're going to fight. Get together. Well, except for one, wedding. Because when we assemble people together, the first thing is we ask, why are we here? That would make sense, right? If you go to church and you're like, why are we here and you don't know? Hmm. Okay. So this one, obviously, the point of this is once a year. Now, what this happens to be is basically New Year's. Now, we might have the ball drop or whatever the case is. But in those days, they blew a trumpet and said, it's now officially a new year. We brought it in with praise. We brought it in with prayer. So I'd like to commit, if there's any way possible from this point forward, we want to try to provide something on New Year's Eve where we can praise and prayer and blow the trumpet. So. Happy New Year. (laughs) And for some of you, I know where I've come from. Some of you, it will be the first time you remembered New Year's Eve ever (laughs) and you woke up without a headache and you woke up with people you like interesting take a look in the text 
and see which one happens first. Okay, then we have one last feast. And then we'll just cover a little bit of the detail and we'll go to prayer. The last feast. Do you remember how the first one was that deliverance from slavery? The second one was the first great harvest. The last one's called Sukkot, or Tabernacles. It's also called the Feast of Engathering. God bless you. You're welcome. On the Feast of Engathering, do you know why we all get together? Because the work's done. It is the Feast of the Last Great Harvest. And on this day, it is by far, they say, the best time to get married. First of all, because everyone's assembled. Why would you want everyone assembled? Duh, that's more presents. That's good. <laughs> it's true, actually. But also because the work is done. And because everybody's happy because of the harvest. Because we look at that and we realize, oh, thank you, Lord. You've provided for us another year. Interesting. Remember, this is the one feast that lasts eight days. He said seven, but gave you eight. Because we always think the eighth day means that something brand new. We look at the brand new, and that's the point. Now look it. There is going to be a day. It's okay. There is going to be a day when the Lord, I'm just trying to get over that. Uh, there's going to be a day when the Lord is going to come back and gather his own. And when that happens, it is going to be the end. It'll be the end of our harvest. It'll be the end of our work. It'll be done. It'll be that simple. You see, there are certain things you can't do in heaven, like evangelize, that would be kind of dumb. Hey, do you know Jesus? Huh. Hey, do you know Jesus? Huh. Do you know Jesus? Yeah, okay. Well, it'd be weird, right? Doing a deliverance ministry, not going to go over so well in heaven. Healing ministry, not needed in heaven. You won't even need to hear me teach. You want to learn something? You'll already know as you are known. That's what scripture says, because you'll see Jesus face to face. That's why we never sing here with all due respect. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon the cross. I will know what it costs. I'm going to see it for sure. I know it. So we could sing one day I'll know or soon I'll, but you get the idea. I don't want to sing it because of the lie. Here's the point. But there was a time when we got together, and remember how this one was the really dedicated where every day was a lesser sacrifice than the day before? And I kind of love that idea, that every day it will be a little less sacrifice, that every day we get closer to the end where we just get to enjoy our time with our king forever. The marriage consummates. There's the whole idea. And that is, and God says, you really want a healthy walk with me? Well, let's start in the morning. Wouldn't that be great? Because I'd hate for you to go, oh, wow, you know, I realized it's been the entire day and I haven't spent any of it with the Lord. Let's start together and let's end together so we can process the day together. And then once a week, let's get together with other people who love him so that we realize we're not, well, yeah, we are freaks, but we're a band of them. We're not the only Jesus freak out there. You know, it's all right. You'll say, is that normal? Yeah, it's normal. I'm getting it too. Okay. But don't let that stop you. Hey, if we were all wanting to be Olympic, it would be great to hang out with each other because there's going to be a lot of other people out there that one may not have the drive and you're like, wow, am I really that weird because I'm getting up and trying to get this, trying to go at this thing and they're just happy to get on the track. 
And when you're with other people, they're like, come on, let's train together. Isn't that encouraging? Someone that actually really wants to go for it. I want to go for it. I don't want to just kind of, you know, kind of, all right, you know, the, the gun's shot, and I'm like, Somewhere down the line, and then I'm going to stand before the Lord. And it tells us with so great a cloud of witnesses, witnesses, or witnesses, it all depends. And, you know, and it's like there's Moses who, like, went through all of this for the 40 years. There's David and how he fled for his life, half of his life before he became king. There's Saul who they tried to kill on more occasions than ever been noted. You know, and all of this. And I'm looking at these guys, and they're like, you can do it! You can do it! And you're like, oh, I'm afraid I'll stub my toe. This is such a rough walk with Jesus, you know. And they're like, are you kidding me? You know, Paul's like his eyes hanging out of his head, you know. And Jeremiah, you know, Isaiah's probably sawed in two and he's trying to keep himself from falling over. And he's like, yeah, you can do it. And you're like, oh, man, somebody gave me a crazy look. I don't know if I could be a Christian today. And you can see them going, are you serious? You know, and then I'm going to finish this, this race and I'm going to stand before the Lord and go, ha, ah, and I'm like waiting for the tape, right? But I'm not even going fast enough to break it, you know. And so I'm like, ah. And then at the end of it all, I'm expecting Jesus to go, well done. Really? You did nothing so well. I'm not into it. I'm just not into it. I don't want my wife to go, I wonder what it would have been like if you'd have really loved me. Yeah, see, that, that's a, that, that hurts to hear, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I wonder what it would be like if you would have been, like, really driven to me. You know the crazy part? He is to me. There's never a time where the Lord's like, you know, I'm going to give you a kind of a Laodicean approach today. Really? There's never been a day where the Lord's like, can you actually obligated? Go ahead and pray. He's like, I'm so glad to see you. He never changes his mind about that. Because he knew it beforehand. So listen. And then, can you see why this is a good day to have communion? I mean, every day would be. I'm a grand thing now. But listen to this. Quickly. In a year, 1,086 lambs, 113 bulls, 32 rams over a ton of flour, over 1,000 bottles of oil, 1,000 bottles of crushed uh, grapes. Sounds like a pretty big party, don't you think? We are going to spend time together celebrating freedom. We're going to spend time together celebrating fellowship. Spend time together celebrating forever. That's our three feasts, if you think about it. And they're in that order for good reason. How am I going to love you if I don't know I've been set free? I'm going to love you if I don't know I'm loved by Christ. I don't have his love to give me. And in between that, I'm going to take a day and get serious. And I'll be honest, this is good for me. And I realize one day a year I need to do this, where I just going to get alone and just pray fast and say, can my appetite for you be stronger than any appetite I possess? I realize I do that in Israel. It's one of the reasons I've craved it for so long. And one day a year, 
where we say goodbye to the old year. We bring in the new with praise, prayer, and saying as a family, isn't it good to be his? As we go to prayer, is this the God you know that rejoices over you with singing, that delights over you? That's not what I do. I don't do anything because he just gave me a lot to do it and maybe I'll be happy about it. I have a blessable God. And he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased because I'm his son. Therefore, I want to run to win. If you've not accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you that choice right now. If you're not sure, you can walk out of here, sure. But if you're a Christian and you've said yes to Jesus, will you take the challenge with me? Let's give God our mornings. Let's give God our nights. And if you're like, well, I don't know if I'll have time to give God my night because I'm going to, well, then rethink it. And you're like, that sounds like such a big obligation. If you think it's an obligation, then the relationship needs to get deeper. You don't have to tell me, gosh, I have to spend the morning with my children. I love being with my kids. I say, oh, I have to spend the evening with my wife. Oh, another night with my wife. Really? Wouldn't you be worried? I didn't marry her so that I could have a burial plot next door. I've told her, cremate me and flush me down the toilet, baby. That's all this flesh is good for. I married her to be with her. I didn't have kids to get work done. You parents, you know this. It isn't like I said, if I get a bunch of these, we could get so much done around here. Let's be honest. Each one incrementally adds a little bit of the work. But it's beautiful work. And I love it. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. And the Lord looks at us and it isn't like God adopted us so we could get work done. He didn't adopt us so he'd be like, well, you'd just be called mine. Jesus died on a cross to be with you and he rose again so he could spend eternity starting now with you. Why rob him another breath? And that's the walk I have with Jesus and I intend it to get even better and I challenge you to join me. Christians, let's take that challenge and invest in this relationship for the very best of reasons. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you so much for what you've taught us in this text. I thank you, Lord, for the way that you have given us, in essence, an overview of this, but really challenged us to really put you first and how to invest in that relationship. Because clearly, without a commitment, we wouldn't want time. Without time, we really wouldn't grow intimate. We want to be intimate with someone, but if we're not going to be with them, how does that work? And I pray right now, Lord, for every believer, myself included, Lord, that we would really invest. Here's the crazy part, Lord, is that you're always available. It's like you don't have to make, I mean, you could have said, I'm available on Sunday from this time to this time. I'm available on a Wednesday night if you really want. But you're always available. And I know because of that, it's easy to take it for granted, but I don't want to do that. I want to cash in and take advantage of the fact that you're always wanting to be with me. Me, I want to be with you just as much as you want to be with me. And so, Lord, even right now, may my whole life reflect that. And if there's anything that's contradicting that, you have the right right now to transform that, to dig it up and remove it and set it on fire and do whatever you want to do with it. But Lord, thank you. May our times together be a time when we rest from the rest of the world, 
really just get tight with you. And in that, may we, in the state of overflow you put us in, serve each other as you call us to. And in this room and at the sound of this voice, if you've never accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, I would like to give you an offer right now. Jesus did the work. He made the first move. He died on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day, and he simply gives you a choice. The choice is, will you accept that gift? Will you accept Jesus as your Savior? And also, in doing so, allowing him to be the architect of your reinvention. At this point now, let Jesus be the one who totally reinvents you. What a beautiful thing that is. And if that's you right now, I'm going to pray a prayer and I ask you to listen and listen carefully. And at the end, if you agree, I simply ask you to give a confident and resounding amen. And what you're saying is, I agree. Let those words be my words. Let that prayer be my prayer. So be it in my life. And here it is. God in heaven, I confess to you, I'm a sinner just like everyone else. And that sin must be punished if you're going to be a righteous judge. But I believe you so loved me, you sent Jesus to die on the cross so that my sins could be properly punished, but that I would not have to spend eternity away from you. And on that cross where he died, just like Scripture promised, for my sins, my verdict died there with him. He was buried just like anyone would be in that sense. And then, just like Scripture promised, he rose again on the third day. So that he isn't just a dead Savior, but a risen Lord. So I say yes to Jesus' payment at the cross and to the new life that you have for me now on the other side of the tomb. May I live that life now in beautiful fellowship with you. Because I'm yours now in Jesus' name. And if you agree, give me a confident amen.